morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Pooh Tools to try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? It's 499-9526, and we'd love to hear from you. That's right. Uh, 225 in front of that number will get you to us from anywhere inside the continental United States. That's right. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? We'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And I'll see we've got Barry from Anchorage, Alaska, has been patiently holding. Good morning, Barry. Hey, how you doing? Doing uh, great, sir. Anchorage, Alaska, i got a question about airbag. Okay, great. Okay. okay, I had a little mishap winter, and I'm just now getting around to try to fix it. I had a little encounter with the moose. Oh, a right. oh, moose. <laughs> it wasn't a bad one. The moose got up and walked away, but All I right. had an airbag in my face. Okay, so, sir. My question is, I get it, the airbag's replaced, mm-hmm. and the little computer is, is there something up in the bumper that has to be done as well? It's not crushed or anything. What kind of car is it, Barry? Yeah, I'm sorry. It's a 1996 Toyota Avalon. Yeah, there's going to be certain things that each company requires, and it's different on each. For instance, some of them will require to replace the bag, some the seatbelt pretensioner, some the module, some the sensor that deployed it all. Anytime there is an accident where there is a deployment of the airbags, Toyota says you should change both the front sensors and the bolts and the nuts that attach them to the body. As a general rule, they're going to want you to replace certainly the bag that deployed or bags that deployed. You're going to need yep. to replace the module for the most part. Okay. That would, in this case, maybe be up in the bumper? It's going to be up on the frame rail behind the bumper, probably on the side of the frame rail, and it's going to have some tamper-proof Torx head screws that actually hold the sensor to the body. Right. And it's generally going to have yellow wires going to it. Okay. Most right. airbag stuff is going to be bright yellow in color to identify it. Oh, I'm going to have somebody do it. I'm just trying to get an idea of what, mm-hmm. what's involved with there. You know, if I could email this car to you, I'd let you take care of it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I don't think the 96 Avalon uses them, but a lot of vehicles, particularly newer vehicles, have what they call seatbelt pretensioners. And that's sort of like a shotgun shell inside the seatbelt and where it pulls out. And what happens is that when there's a collision, those will generally fire off and it'll either yank the buckles down to lock your belts or it'll lock the part that pulls out. And many times right. those have to be replaced. I know we did a Cadillac this week in the shop and he had had a side impact and the pretensioners fired, but the bags didn't. And his airbag light was on. He couldn't figure it out. But he had fired off both the driver and the passenger pretensioner. All right. Okay. Well, good. Then I, at least I know what I'm looking at. I'm All right. That. Well, Barry, what's the weather like up there in Anchorage? Well, a heat wave is supposed to be up to 60 today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, usually, it's usually 15, 20 degrees colder than that. It, it truly is a heat wave. And wow. <laughs> we're looking for another couple of days like that. So we'll get a little more fishing in before we pack everything in. Wow. wow. Great. <laughs> All right, Barry. Well, thanks for calling, man. Okay, thanks for your help. All right, bye. Bye. 499-9526, number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we're going back to phone lines with John. Good morning, John. Good morning, guys. I have two questions dealing with two kids' cars. Okay. First one is a 2004 Jeep Grand Cherokee. Mm-hmm. When he cuts the key off when it's been running, you can hear the cooling fan. It's not still running under power, but it's, it's working its way down. Okay. Okay. And it sounds like, what it sounds like is blade rubbing on. It's kind of like a, a, a growling sound. Mm-hmm. So I reached there and I grabbed it, see if, if there was any play in the bearing of the shaft or the motor and everything. And it, it doesn't seem to have any play or anything in it. But I'm just wondering, is there anything else I should look at to try to determine what's creating that sound? Is yeah, there- normally, John, that's going to be the bearing in the motor. And they can make noise and not have slack in them. You're talking about the electric cooling fan on the front of the yeah, yeah. Right. They're kind of notorious for going out. We change those all the time. And pretty important to go ahead and get it replaced because yeah. what's going to happen is when it starts making noise, it starts pulling more amperage also. 
Oh. And it's going to burn up that SCR, that little rectifier that runs it. It's going to melt yeah. that. Okay. Because it's pulling too many amps. But, yeah, pretty common part that we change quite a bit. I'll bet if you take and just turn the key on, go out, find the connector on it, let it run, and then just unplug it and let it turn down, see if you can hear it like that, then it's going to be in the motor because basically nothing else is turning. Okay. All right. Okay. And it's a non-serviceable bearing, so you got to replace that whole assembly. All right. All right. Okay, cool. Second question, other kids' car, 2003 Honda Accord. Uh-huh. The cooling fan inside the car. Uh-huh. The blower motor? Yeah, blower motor fan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, just, it's not working. It doesn't respond to the switch at all. Okay. And I had heard that it might be a relay. Well, so, probably not a relay. More likely it's going to be what they call the blower transistor, and that's the part that actually goes from the switch to the transistor, which makes the different speeds by varying the voltage. And they are pretty bad about failing, but I can tell you, John, kind of like your other example, normally when the transistor is burned out, it's burned out because the blower motor is dragging too much and it pulled too much amperage and burned out the transistor. Got it. So Got what it. you want to do is first check the blower motor itself to make sure it hadn't burned up. And that's real easy. Just put a voltmeter across the two wires that go into it. One's a ground and one's a power. And if you've got 12 volts there and it's not running, then the blower motor is bad. But most likely you won't have power there, which means the transistor. Now, one thing also you want to check is the cabin air filter. Make sure it's not clogged up because if the cabin filter's never been changed and it's clogged up, that can do it by itself. So if that's the case, new cabin filter, new transistor, and you're good. But I would get a lamp meter of some sort and put around that lead, check the draw on it. It ought to be about 10 to 12 amps on startup and about 6 to 8 amps running. If it's up around 12, 15, 20 amps, then you got a bad motor, and it's going to end up just burning a new one out as well. So now where's this cabinet? I didn't know that car had a cabinet. Oh, yeah. That's got one. It's going to be behind the glove box somewhere. It varies on cars. Do you happen to know on a 2003 Honda Accord? It's behind the glove box. Box you actually have to take the glove box down. You open the glove box and the stops. You have to right, disassemble right. the stops so the box will fold all the way out. And there's uh-huh. going to be a little rectangle door back there behind uh-huh. it. It should have two uh-huh. clips on each side. You unclip it, and right. just a little door comes off, and then the filter's shoved in there. And it's going to probably and be so dirty you can right. grow corn in it. You know, if right. it hadn't been changed. Uh, that's probably what's. Oh yeah, <laughs> probably. I think Honda recommends like every fifteen thousand miles on that filter because right. they get really, really dirty. And this is probably got 200000 so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, if it wasn't for kids' cars, I wouldn't have anything else to do. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That'll keep you out of trouble. I'm telling you. <laughs> Thank y'all. All, All right, right, John. Sir. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive, we'd certainly love to have you. Cabin filters are one of those things that was a really great idea because what it does, it keeps the dust and debris from clogging up the evaporator core. Right. But... So many people unaware that they're in there. Right, and they, they get forgot about, or like you said, they don't even know they're there. And by the time you figure out there's a problem, mm-hmm. it's stopped up solid, and the fan can't draw any air through it, so it's pulling more amps than it should, and it ends up burning up something well, else. Well, yeah, the best thing that could happen probably is it burn up your fan motor or right. burn up your blower resistor. But what can really happen is that since you're not moving enough air through the evaporator core, what evaporators do is they remove heat. They don't actually produce coal. But if they're not having enough airflow past them, they can get colder and colder so that the refrigerant is no longer flashing off. Uh And there's a part just on the other side of it called an accumulator. And what that does, the liquid that goes through that core kind of starts building up. Right. And it's designed as a safety feature to capture that, but it's designed for a working system. If it's not working properly and enough liquid refrigerant gets to the accumulator, if it overflows, that liquid's going to the compressor. And right, and you can't means. compress liquid. Liquids do not compress. So it's going to be like a grenade went off inside your AC compressor, 
and a cabin filter probably costs anywhere from fifteen to thirty dollars, right? And probably takes fifteen to twenty minutes to change it, depending on application. Yeah, if you disintegrate a compressor and it slings metal through the system, you're probably looking at a twenty five hundred dollar repair if it gets fixed. And diagnosed right the first time. Well, yeah. <laughs> Let's not even go into all that. But right. Bring your car in, and they see the compressor blew up. Just put another compressor put on Put a it. compressor on it, clean the system out. Well, and, or just put a compressor on it. Yeah. Then and about then, two weeks later, it blows up again. Well, now you got twice as much trash. Exactly. You put a third compressor on it. By then, you almost got a system that's non-repairable, and it's and, all because of plugged-up cabin filter. Exactly. Yeah, that kind of stuff that, does It does happen. happen. <laughs> I don't like to see it, but it does happen. Oh, yeah. And it's just one of those things a lot of folks look at a problem and they, look, they see the problem, but they don't see the causes or they don't look for the causes. Correct. And by doing that, you are going to absolutely run your cost to the maximum on just about every instance. Sure. You look at a problem and say, hey, why did this happen? Yeah. Well, I, go from there. Yeah. What happened here? <laughs> why, why did this happen and go from there? That's right. Hey, let's go back to our phone lines with Joe. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. This is a shade tree mechanic specialist. Okay. Fooling with a 98 GMC three-quarter ton. Kind of refurbishing, and I'm down to wanting to flush or purge the brake hydraulic fluid. Okay. Can I get in trouble with that? Not too much on that one, no. Is it like the old method where you would do it? I clean the uh, the master cylinder reservoir out, mm-hmm. just, you know, clean it out and put fresh fluid yes, in sir. I was kind of afraid to, I don't know if that thing has, it may have anti-lock on it the does. rear. It does. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be. What year is it? 98. Yeah, yeah it does. It's probably going to have all, a four-wheel ABS, I'm pretty sure. I think almost all of them going to have four-wheel ABS on them. Well, I just wondered if someone in the cab helping me, the old-fashioned, let yeah, me say. Yeah, a couple of things you're going to have to do. You can't let the brake pedal go to the floor or really go beyond its normal travel. So what okay. you need to do is go find a brick or something about the height of the normal pedal travel. Okay. Put that under the brake pedal so they don't accidentally push it further than that. Okay. Reason being, that master cylinder has been moving a certain distance for probably the last who knows how many years. Mm-hmm. It's going to have a certain amount of corrosion and stuff built up beyond that point because the seals never roll that far. Mm-hmm. If you push that pedal to the floor, you're pushing those whole hard seals right over that corroded up area, and you can take out the master cylinder pretty fast. Okay. So first thing to do is to get something to block that pedal where it won't go past its normal travel. Next thing you want to do, don't get in there and pump the pedal. That is wrong. What you want to do is put light pressure on the pedal, push it down the normal amount, open the bleeder screw, close the bleeder screw, let the pedal up, and this is very important. Now wait about 15 seconds before you do it again. The reason that's important is when you release the pedal, it's going to be like a surge of fluid that's going to return to the master cylinder, and it causes some disruption in the fluid and some debris and stuff to float around. And if you hit the pedal immediately, you're going to suck that right back into the system. Whereas if you let it go, it'll tend to settle out, and you can remove it later on. So that's the way you do it. And start off on that particular one. You're going to start with the passenger rear wheel first, okay. then the driver's rear wheel, then the okay. passenger's front, and then the driver's front last. And that should do you, if you have any trouble with it, occasionally on an older vehicle like that, what will happen is that when you start bleeding them, the pedal will kind of come up. When you go to do the front, the pedal will start to drop again. If that happens, most of the time, it's the rear wheel cylinders are actually leaking and they're sucking air in around the cylinder. Even though they're not leaking fluid out, the seals get old and hard and they'll start drawing air in past the cylinder. If that's the case, it's best just to go ahead and replace the rear wheel cylinders because if they're leaking like that, they're going to start leaking the other way pretty soon. But that's Cur- probably you know, not going to happen. cursory look didn't see any looks, but that doesn't... Well, you can't see it. They're not going to they're not gonna leak out, but they'll yeah. draw air in. In other words, they can seal one way and not the other. When they got pressure on them, they'll seal. But when you let off that pedal, they got suction on them, so it sucks past the seal. 
Okay, and if I'm it happens, just, just be ready for it. I'm just tinkering, and I thank you very much. All right, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive fire, we'd love to have you. I've seen a bad ABS valve on that year mm-hmm. cause a symptom like a bad master cylinder. That's right. I've seen several master cylinders replaced for a bad ABS valve. Well, that's right. Even on the old two-wall. That's what comes, I'm talking about, uh, the old two-wall. Right, yeah. Right there was the breaking point. Between 98 and 99, they changed mm-hmm. body styles. Mm-hmm. And when they did, they went from two-wheel to four-wheel. Right. And on those, it would have a <laughs> sinking pedal that would feel almost exactly like it a would. I've bad seen it, master cylinder. I've seen it misdiagnosed several times. Yeah, they change master and of course pedal still sinks to the floor and really the proper way to diagnose that of course is to put two plugs where the lines go in the master cylinder isolate it from the system check it if it's rock hard you know the master cylinder is okay correct then you move to the next point correct but if you just kind of feel it and pedal sink you say well it feels like it feels like this yeah <laughs> okay well that was about a 300 dollars lesson <laughs> <laughs> yeah depending on what you're working on yeah three to nine hundred dollar lesson right in feels like <laughs> you don't do that too often i can tell you well, especially if you're paying somebody to do it and having to do it for free. So right. We'll be ready to take a quick little break and be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. I get your kicks on route. Just a guy here for Agco Automotive with a few things that chap my hide lately. $150 jeans, vanity licenses that are too complex to read, billboards that say drive carefully. Think about that one. Child beauty pageants. I mean, let's go ahead and set these kids up for failure before they get to kindergarten. And how about when you try to be nice and let someone out in traffic and they won't go because they're talking on the cell phone? Here's a message for you. Put the phone down! Another thing that chaps my hide is repair shops that use Swaptronics to fix your car. That's where they can't pinpoint the exact problem, so they just change parts, hoping to fix something, which means your repair bill could double. The experts at Agco determine the exact problem, then fix it right the first time at the price quoted, which does not chap my hide. Want more info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools to try to answer any automotive questions you might have, why don't you go and give us a call? It's 499-9526. And we've got Colin on the line. Good morning, Colin. Good morning, sir. How yes, you sir. doing, Doing Lewis? great. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. A 2000 Avalon. Uh-huh. Brakes fine if you just stop in red lights, stop mm-hmm. and go. But if you're sitting with your foot on a brake, the pedal would go down. So okay. God told me I needed a master cylinder. My mother-in-law's got a 2004, and I drove it, and it does the same thing. Hmm. What can you tell me? Yeah, master cylinder is definitely one possibility on that. That will do that, but there's other things as well, Colin. Like we kind of were talking about a little bit before, the way you diagnose that is you have to go out first and block off all the lines going to the wheels. And we've got a special pair of tools that actually mash those lines and block them. If you block off all four wheels and the pedal comes up rock hard and high, okay, we know the problem is at one of the wheels. You just start releasing them one at a time until the pedal drops, and then that's the wheel that's causing the problem. Then you go in and find out why that wheel is doing that. Now, if you block all the wheels off and the pedal is still doing the same thing, now you know it's either going to be in the master cylinder or the ABS control unit because it can do either one. Either can one do can that. do it, right. And what you do is remove the lines from the mass cylinder, put two hydraulic plugs, and block it off. If that pedal is rock hard, then you know it's ABS unit. So it's not that difficult, but it's a little time-consuming. you got to have a special things to do it. And it's not right. complicated things, but some things you have to have to do it. 
But I would probably take that to someone who knows what to do and have them diagnose the problem. If you go on my website, I've got an article on why is my brake pedal low, which is sort of the same thing. Sinking and low is basically two in the same. What type of things, any excessive movement can cause that. For instance, let's say you've got a wheel bearing on the car that's bad. And when you're rolling, the weight pushes it in. Well, it also pushes the piston on that caliper in because the rotor moves with the wheel. And when you mash the brake, that hydraulic force pushes it back out into position, but it eats up a lot of pedals, so your pedals go slowly go down. You pump it a few times, and it'll get hard again. But as soon as you start rolling, it does the same thing again. So that's one possible thing other than the master cylinder. And, of course, like we said, the ABS unit can do it. I mean, a lot of stuff can do that, even if your rear brakes are way out of adjustment, which a lot of times they are if you got drum rear brakes. What happens is a brake proportioning valve, and it's going to give you some pedal because your front brakes are engaging, but when the backs start to overcome the pressure of springs, that pedal's going to sink. So there's a number of things that can cause it. Some are serious, some are not. You just need to really have somebody check it that knows what to do, and they should be able to straighten that out for you with no problem. Yes, sir. It doesn't lose any fluid, and mm-hmm. I was just surprised that her car did the same thing. That's why I called. Yeah, and it may both have the same problem. Who knows? I have not noticed that to be a common problem on Toyota, but who knows? Both cars are roughly the same age. They may both have the same problem or have to have similar problems. Could just be a coincidence. But, yeah, once that pedal goes down, it should not continue to go down. It'll go down a certain amount, but if you hold moderate pressure on it, it ought to kind of stay right there and not yes. continue to sink. Yes, it won't go all the way down, but it'll steady, easily going down. Mm-hmm. How far does it go down at the end when it finally stops? Oh, it probably goes down a couple inches. It'll stop. That almost sounds like rear brakes way out of adjustment. Does both yeah. cars have drums on the back or calipers on the back? Or do you know? I had the brakes changed, but I'm not sure if it's drums on the back or calipers. Yeah, really check it and see. And I'll tell you another thing that actually I've seen do that, particularly on a Toyota, if you get the brakes changed, and if they turn the rotors and they get them where they're not cut perfectly true and they're kind of wobbling, it does the same thing because it pushes those caliper pistons back in. And when you hit the pedal, it's got they got to ooze back out. Or a frozen or binding caliper slide can do the same thing. Right. So there's, there's a lot of stuff that can cause it. You just need to isolate the problem and find out what it is. I wouldn't let it go on, though, because it's nothing that's ever going to get better. Right. Exactly. All righty. Well, I sure appreciate it. Y'all give a lot of good information. All right, Colin, thank, thank you for sir. calling. Thank you. Thanks, sir. Bye-bye. 499-9526 the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Jerry on the line. Good morning, Jerry. Hey, good morning, guys. How y'all doing? Doing great. Doing great. Yeah, I was in Baton Rouge. I used to listen to y'all every Saturday. So I'm in New Orleans. It's hard to get y'all so I can get you on the phone. Oh, that's easy, Jerry. You just call WRNO and take speak to the station manager and tell him, hey, why don't we have the Automotive Hour down here in New Orleans? There you go. All right. <laughs> I have a 2003 Honda Accord. Okay. Four-cylinder LS. Had everything done to the front end. You see, I'm guessing it's the transmission screen. I'm guessing. Well, what's it doing? When once it get to, how many gears do a four-cylinder have? On 2003, it should be a five-speed. Okay. It eventually, it's, it's almost like when you get to the third gear, mm-hmm. it starts to vibrate. Could that be the, the screen? No, probably no. not, man. Does it go away or does it stay? Yeah, yeah, it do. It, it goes, goes away. away? Is it like yeah. just a quick little vibration for maybe about right. three or four right. seconds and then goes away? Right. right. Yeah. Tell you what, Jerry, next time it does it, just keep your foot on the gas and reach over and just touch that brake pedal and see if it quits doing it when you touch the brake pedal. Okay? Okay. 
it's, it's, it's only do it. Yeah, I know. Right. When it's going, it's not third gear. It's probably going in the lockup, which feels like right. a shift to another gear. But just reach over, immediately touch the brake pedal. If it quits doing it immediately, then it's what they call right. torque converter shutter. You see what it does? You've got your regular gears that is shifting, and then you got what they call lockup, which is when torque converter locks up. It feels like a shift in a gear, but it's not. And if that torque converter starts to shudder, it's going to give you that little quick vibration. It feels almost like you run over a cattle garden road. Right. Just a little right. and then it's gone. Right, exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. And if that is the case, the way you can tell is by touching the brake pedal, because when it sees the brakes applied, it's going to come out of lockup. So it will quit doing it immediately. So that's the way you test it. Now, if that is the case, and that is what it's doing, the next thing you want to do is go get the transmission serviced, and you need to have it serviced with Honda Fluid. Because if somebody put regular like Dextron 3 or something like that in it, it's going to make it way, way worse. Honda has their own special fluid. That's actually a draining fill on that unit. Mm-hmm. There's a plug on the front. You drain three quarts out, put the plug back in, put three fresh quarts in it, go drive it, get it hot, come back, and immediately drain that three quarts back out, mm-hmm. and then put three more in and top it off. Once you get it hot again, then recheck it and make sure it's full. But that's how you service that yeah, unit. A double drain and fill because, see, the filter is inside that transmission. You cannot get to it. You'd have to take the transmission out right. and take it apart to get to it. Right. So you do a double drain and fill, and if it's a torque converter shutter, that's going to get rid of it. But the way you have to do before you do any of that is you have to go out and touch the brake pedal while it's doing see if it quits. So I know I can't answer for all, but I, I know y'all are taking put uh, the fluid in. Mm-hmm. But do all mechanic shops no, a lot of them just either use Dex three or who knows what. You're gonna need That'd to. Be a yeah, that, absolutely. that's a Honda DW one, I believe, is the the fluid for that one. Yes, sir. You definitely got to have the original fluid, or it will shut. It, it that'll make a good transmission shut. Right. All righty. All right, then I appreciate All right. your help. All right, Gary. Right, thanks, for calling, man. Hey, one more quick little break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Just a guy here for Agco Automotive with a few things I'm tired of. I'm tired of reality TV. There's nothing real about it. I'm tired of all those housewives, the Kardashians, the brides, the bachelors, celebrities in rehab. Here's an idea. Let's ship all the Flavor Flav's, Snookies, and Honey Boo Boo's off to a deserted island and watch America's average IQ jump up a few points. I'm also really tired of automotive repair shops that promote an $89.95 brake job and then hit the folks for 500 bucks and give them a lousy job. Listen to me, and take your vehicle to Agco, where you get quality work performed right the first time for a reasonable price. And that, my friends, is a reality. Want more info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. He's joining us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Tune Tools, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us calls, 499-9526. And we've got Bill online. Good morning, Bill. Good morning. How are y'all doing? Doing, doing great, great, sir. Great, great, great. I've got one that'll put your hat on sideways. Okay. 2004 Silverado four-door V8, small, you know, regular... Size the 8.5.3 mm-hmm. automatic normal truck 1500 series. Mm-hmm. Put a set of auxiliary fans on. Took the fan clutch out and put auxiliary fans on the radiator. Okay. And the auxiliary fans, of course, have a 30 amp fuse, uh, their own fuse that goes straight to the battery and then a ground to the frame. 
and a switchable 12-volt source for the computer. Now, whenever the fans come on, the service brake system light triggers. Okay. If the fans don't come on, the service brake system light doesn't come on. Yeah. Bill, at this risk of sounding difficult, I'd have to ask, why are you taking the regular fan off and putting electric fans on this thing? To solve the idle hot air conditioning problem. I mean, I'd agree. If the air conditioner is not working good at idle, it's probably not moving enough air, but why not just check the fan clutch and put a new clutch on it rather than go to all this other complexity because you're creating all kinds of other electrical problems by doing this. You're going way, way, way long way around the tree to solve the problem, but oh, so all that notwithstanding. It works fantastically. You just don't understand. Well, but you're pulling 30 amps that you don't have right. out of a system. That truck doesn't have another 30 amps. That's why it's turning the light on. Yeah, I mean, you're drawing your system down too low. It just is not another 30 amps in that vehicle to run that. It's not like the old days where you could just load whatever you want on there. It's engineered with just barely enough power to run it as it is. It's just there's not that much power left available. So, so all you need to do is put a bigger alternator? Well, yeah, but that's sort of like squirrel hunting with a 50 caliber machine gun. Fix the original problem, man, because there's millions and millions of those trucks, they don't any of them have trouble with the air conditioner, and they, right. none of them have electric fans on them. Trying to re-engineer the truck, and you're creating more and more and more and more problems. If your air conditioner is not working at an idle, then you need to go back and find out why. It could be the fan clutch is not working properly. The fan clutch, yeah. It just seems like it'd be a whole lot simpler just to get a new fan clutch for it. Uh, sure. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, I prefer the uh, electric. Well, I understand, but it's just not going to work that way because the system just doesn't have the power to run those fans. It just wasn't designed for it from the beginning. And to add them now is just going to require a tremendous amount of rework of the entire system. To re-engineer something, you'd have to re-engineer an entire truck, man. Now, see, later on in 06, they went to electric fans. Yeah. But the truck is engineered and yeah. designed to yeah, run electric fans on those amp alternator with bigger wires, and it's designed right. to do it, and the fuse panel's different, and the computer's different, and so right. on. Right, everything's on, on, different on, on it. Yeah, you're creating a whole, whole lot of complexity for nothing, and you're going to have electrical problems from now on, because I can tell you for sure, that truck just doesn't have that kind of power available to draw that. You're just absolutely hell-bent on doing it. Go in and put a second alternator, put a second battery, and wire it as a separate system. You could do that, but just, you know, you go spend $3,000 to fix a $100 problem. But right. <laughs> Uh, okay, good deal. Thank you. Hi, right, Bill. Bye-bye. 499-9526, the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. You know, I really sympathize, Bill. He has a problem. But what you have to remember is that there are millions of these vehicles out there that do not have this problem. So it's not a design flaw. In other words, the fan that comes on the truck is more than capable of doing the job. It's just that we've got a problem, like, for instance, the fan clutch is bad. So rather than go re-engineer the truck, what we need to do is just replace the part that's bad, and it'll be just like all the others. Because I've got the same type of truck, and mine air conditioner will freeze you out. Exactly. So this problem has got to be this vehicle, yeah, so not something, something that's engineered wrong. into all of it. A guy and his truck was overheating. So the first thing he does is, well, I'm going to go out and put a different thermostat in it. Uh -huh. Well, now, wait a minute. With the 195-degree thermostat that comes in it, there's millions of these trucks that do not overheat. Right. What makes you think that's going to help? So now, of course, check engine light pops on because the engine's taking too long to warm up. Mm -hmm. Now he wants to know if he can turn the check engine light off. Well, no. Well, <laughs> fix the truck. Yeah, you got to fix the problem. Right. And you go in there and start wiring in that kind of load on the system. I mean, those vehicles really, just some little accessory you put in there that draws 10 amps can create all kinds of problems. It could. 
you start putting too big old cooling fans on. Now, number one, you're drawing too much amperage through the system, but number two, you start picking up transient grounds. You're putting a magnetic pulse in front of the radiator that already has problems with electrolysis. Right. So now you start eating up radiators, eating up heater cores because you got electrolysis in your coolant because you got two big magnetic fields that it wasn't designed to be there. They're not properly grounded. On and on and on and on you go. Now, again, put another alternator, put another battery, make an isolated system. You can maybe, do that, but maybe. if you're totally re-engineering something that really doesn't need it, why don't you just go ahead and fix the problem, which is the fan, the fan clutch, clutch. Is too weak. Yeah. <laughs> we change an awful lot of fan clutches for that. We do. Especially for air conditioning problems. They're generally not going to overheat because that truck has a pretty good cooling system on it. Right. You, but You rarely see one overheat, but what happens is that the AC will quit working at an idle or end up taking the compressor out because the head pressure is going too high. Right. It puts a lot of load in front of that radiator mm-hmm. that it can't handle without that fan clutch being operating properly. That's right. And, boy, I tell you, you got a great big old fan on that thing Yeah. with a 200-horsepower motor pushing it. That's a whole lot more air moving through than you're ever going to get with them little electric fans you're putting on there. Uh, now, you got to take that back. I've seen some of them big them. Big electric fans, yeah, oh, they yeah. will move some air. Oh, you can get some, it will, but I'm but just saying that fan that's all, on there is moving a tremendous amount of air. It's all there and designed to work that well, way. Well, and what you could even do if you wanted to maybe just got to do something, you could always take a smaller electric fan and put it and leave the fan clutch on and put an auxiliary fan, have two fans. Right. That way you're going to move plenty enough air. Exactly. But I would not ever take the, take the mechanical the, fan off because right. it's very, very good. It really costs you next to nothing to run because it's running off it's running off the engine. engine problem anyway. Right. You're getting a little bit, you're losing a little bit of power with it, but not a noticeable amount not to even a, yeah. think about. And you're not straining all the electrical system in the exactly. vehicle, which is a real, real problem on that vehicle. They're going back to our phone lines of Cliff. Good morning, Cliff. Good morning, gentlemen. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Good. I've got a 01 Toyota Sequoia okay. with a VSC track problem. Okay. Uh-huh. This thing started shimmying on the highway around 70 miles an hour. You'd be riding along and you'd get a shutter in the steering wheel and it mm-hmm. felt like coming from the right front wheel. Okay. It would shutter for a while and then it would lock out the VSC, the VSC off and the VSC track light would come on. Okay. So I, right. brought it, I brought it into the, well, in order to get this thing where I could drive it, I unplugged the, the wiring from the master cylinder to disengage it. And, of course, the lights stayed on, but I didn't have the problem anymore, so mm-hmm. I brought it to the dealer. They diagnosed it as having a, and I talked to the technician, said it had an O2 sensor that was sending the computer a, a bad signal. So okay. changed the O2 sensor, did not fix the problem. Yeah, well, so, see, it may have had a bad oxygen sensor. Right. It just wasn't right. this problem. It was a problem. It just wasn't this problem. Right. It starts doing it after you drive it for a ways, Cliff? Yes, yes. And now it will, as soon as you put it in gear to back up, it will lock it out. The light will just pop on immediately? Yes. You'll feel a, a glitch. You'll feel a, a, one little shutter, and then and just locks it out immediately. Man, I would start out with a Toyota scan tool on the body control module. It's got to be setting codes, if that's the case. See what codes are setting. I would almost bet you're going to have one of the wheel speed sensors is not reading properly, and it thinks the wheel's locked up when it's not. And I think you're right, because I'm... I am finding, even with these, I've disengaged it now because mm-hmm. I, I just can't drive it, and mm-hmm. I, I haven't had time to get it to a dealer. But I've noticed when I'm pulling into a parking spot, turning left, mm-hmm. it, applying the brake, my right front wheel, I will feel it feels like the ABS is kicking. A wheel speed sensor or a part called a yaw rate sensor can both cause that. If it's a wheel speed sensor, the way it works, it's actually like a lacy generator is producing a little sine wave. And if the wave drops out, what it's going to think is, okay, the wheel quit turning. Right. So it must be locked up. So it's going to start pulsing the brakes and kick the skid control in and all that stuff. 
So it's operating normally. It's just operating when it shouldn't be operating. Right, and that's, that was my next assumption. Was and I, and I looked at, I pulled all the wheel cylinders, I mean the wheel speed sensors, and mm-hmm. looked at them. The process I did find though on my rear, I found I had an axle seal lift, so it, yeah. it it brought me to fix a problem I had on the rear. Mm-hmm. But right, it's not acting up on the rear; it's the right front. Yeah, I mean that's very very simple to diagnose. You just need to go in with a proper scan tool, and that can read each sensor individually, and it will also set a code when one of them drops out. If there are no codes set, then it assumes it's normal. That means it's not dropping completely out, it's just reading wrong. So you just have to go in with a scope on each one of the sensors and read them and see which one's reading wrong. If reading 10 miles an hour and you're going 40 miles an hour, then clearly that's going to be the problem. Same thing with the yaw rate sensor. If it's reading that is sitting at a 15-degree angle and the wheel's pointing straight ahead, you know that it's bad. So that's the way you have to go about testing it. So, so that's, that's outside of the OBD2 sensor that uh Yeah, all that is a power control module. This is going to be in a chassis module. Right, you, you got to get into get the to body. That. Yeah, you got to have to have a, a Toyota scan tool to get into it. But gotcha. almost any decent shop, I mean, we keep all the Toyota tools. I, mean, I, I would never go back to a dealer for anything other than warranty work just because right. you're not likely to get this fixed there. But anybody that's got the proper tool can go in there and read all those sensors, uh, put a digital lab scope on it, you can see the pattern. And if it wasn't reading at all, it would throw the ABS light on. Correct. But if it's reading, right. it's just reading wrong. It's just going to think it's locking up when it's not. Well, I agree with you about the dealer because I, I sure would have been irritated if I would have allowed them to fix that. Oh, yeah. Because I did it myself, of course. Mm-hmm. And they were going to charge me at least double. Yeah, and know. see, it may have needed an auction since. That's fairly common yeah. repair on those yeah, things. Right. It just wasn't this problem. Yeah, I've, I've gone through several of them. I've got a quarter million miles on this yeah. thing now, and mm-hmm. I intend on keep it as long as I can. It's in great shape. Now, I tell you too, Cliff, another thing that will cause that problem, particularly when you turn it, if you got a, a wheel bearing that's going bad, because that sensor's reading a little tone wheel, and if that wheel bearing deflects or moves, it'll throw it out of mesh with it, and it won't read properly. Uh-huh. It'll change the air gap. Right. Gotcha. So gotcha. you could have something like a bad wheel bearing, particularly yep. that many miles. And it's a four-wheel drive, so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll check that. Yeah. I will check mm-hmm. it. Well, I appreciate the help. All right, Cliff. Thanks, All right, man. Sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we got John online. Good morning, John. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. What I'm calling about, I've got a 2008 Silverado mm-hmm. V6, 103,000 miles. Okay. Nothing really wrong with it. But I was curious about what your idea is about what I should replace as far as fluids and do and maintenance at that time. I have no prior history on the vehicle because I don't know who the original driver was. Yes, sir. What I would do, John, is to bring it to someone who can do what we call a general inspection. I know at AGCO, we go through and do a, a general inspection. We will go in and check the pH on the coolant, check the specific gravity on the coolant, all that sort of thing. But as a general rule, what the things you're going to need if they haven't been done before, and some of these may have already been done, but the coolant is definitely going to be due. The transmission fluid is very likely going to be due. The rear differential fluid was due at 100,000 miles. It's a two-wheel drive? Yes. Okay, so you don't have transfer case or any of that. Those are going to be your three main fluids on it. Is it a six-cell? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, well, it's only going to have one belt. Then uh, the serpentine belt is probably going to be close. The spark plugs are going to be pretty well worn on it. Other than that... By plug wires. Yeah, you want to Sometimes. inspect them. On a six-cylinder, they may be okay. On a V8, I'd say definitely, but I would check them and see they may be due. Just be prepared when you take the plugs out that to buy a set of wires because sometimes the wires will actually freeze to the plug and you'll tear them up getting them Trying off. Trying to get them out, yeah. So you'll end up changing them anyway, so just be prepared for that. 
Yeah, a lot of times you got to get kind of rough to get them off, and when you pull yeah. on them, they'll break, and then they'll start misfiring. So not a bad idea just to change them. If it's a truck you're going to keep, I mean, sooner or later they've got to be changed right. anyway. Yeah. What about the distributor cap? And, and, yeah, change uh, the cap and the rotor. And the Those rotor. go out a lot on the six-cylinders. They'll kind of slime up inside and give you a mysterious stumble that you can't find. But, yeah, I would definitely in 100,000, I would change that. Okay. The, the other thing I wanted to ask you about is I've heard you mention about the, the GM, the old GM, new GM, and when uh, it, it was no longer a good idea to buy the GM truck, what year was that? Was, is it, was it eight or nine? Did well, no, was... everything after 06 started having trouble, but they the later they get, seems like the worse they get. Now, i got to say the six-cylinder is one of my favorites. That's why I bought a six-cylinder truck myself. That little motor is the same motor, basically been built since 1955. I mean, that's the old 265, 283, 327, 350 Chevrolet with two cylinders missing. Basically, still a small block Chevrolet with the two center cylinders. It, it took the front of the motor and took the second cylinder out and moved that down to the back of the motor, and that's basically what that engine is. Okay, now e- even if the brakes look good, I have no history on those brakes are probably fluid. still fine. Hey, if yeah, they, if they look good, I would go ahead and just change the fluid. Yeah, pads are going to be good. They generally will make 120 on the back and probably 150 on the front unless you just real hard on them. Yeah. There's really nothing apparently wrong with this vehicle. All the instrumentation works. Right, you just don't want to let anything get wrong. You want to head it off. You want to head it off at the gap before you start having trouble. Because by the time you figure out, hey, I got a problem, it's going to be when you're buying a transmission because you didn't service that one. I I had an 05 that I bought with the same condition. I think it had like 105. Mm -hmm. And I did all of those things that you said to Mm -hmm. do just now. And I didn't know if I was doing an overkill or not. But I changed everything. Every one of those things that we talked about. Yeah, and right at 100000 is a perfect time right. to do that because you had not done any damage yet, but if you let it go much beyond that, you're getting into deep water yeah. now. So now is the perfect time. Yeah, I noticed on both of those, the 05 and this one, I always felt like the starter was a little weak there. You know, when they started, they just didn't have that hard drive. Uh, but I, that uh, in the yeah. first case, I they don't give much battery. trouble. Yeah, yeah, they don't give too much trouble. Those starters last a long time. The battery more time than not is, is going to be a problem. Now I tell you too, if that cap you were talking about, the distributor cap, starts to slime up inside, it'll kick back against the starter. That's had some. Okay. I've seen starters change for that. And it was really the distributor cap because it starts jumping out of time because it's it's jumping fire inside the cap. Right. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I thought about that. Oh, yeah. Okay, thanks so much. Okay, I appreciate man. your help. Hey, okay. thanks for the call. Bye-bye. Bye. We take one last quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Just a guy here for Agco Automotive with a little advice for those who overshare on Facebook. I know I friended you, but please, I don't need to know what you had for breakfast or where you just scratched. I don't need to know your Uncle Dominic's political beliefs or that your mom painted her kitchen the color called Frosted Fern. And for the last time, we don't care that your cat, Doogie Meowser, really looks like Neil Patrick Harris. Some more advice? In this tight economy, why waste money on a new vehicle? Stick with your older model and take good care of it to make sure it lasts. Come to Agco for quality maintenance and repair, and we'll save you from throwing money away on a big note so you can pay other bills or save for something else. In Facebook terms, that's something you'll definitely like. Want more info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco, it's the place to go.
Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvazan from Agco Automotive. Got Mr. Brian Terry, our lead tech, right here by my side. Hey, between tools to try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? It's 499-9526. A few minutes. Should you happen not to make it today That's right. to our live answer session here? That's right. <laughs> you can always go to the website and get your questions answered that way. That's right. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night and get it back within 24 hours. A lot of times sooner, just depending on when you send it. That's right. There's also several other databases there on our site you can search. If you want to poke around and maybe not send Lewis an email, just try to find it on your own. Yeah, yeah. And there's a search function on every page. You can type in there whatever keyword you have, and it'll go through and find it for you. Put an article on this morning that comes from a lot of email that I get, and that's where a vehicle has been wrecked. And I'm not talking about necessarily a little fender bender where you just have to repaint it, but a fairly serious collision. And the collision repair shops are generally real good at making them look good and getting uh-huh. all the parts back on, matching the paint colors. And that's kind of a, more of an art than a science. Oh, I it think. is. And they're very, very good at that. But sometimes the scientific part of it or the mechanical part, things will just kind of slip by because it's hard to be great at everything you do. And they are concentrating on trying to get all those parts back on, making everything line up, straighten everything out, make the paint match and all that. And sometimes what happens is that after you get your car back, you have little mechanical problems. Like, for instance, we had a Cadillac in earlier this week. Correct. Had a collision, and now the airbag lights are on, but the bags did not deploy. Uh Uh-huh. And it was actually a mechanical problem. And what this goes into, how to inspect the car, some things to look for, some things to have checked after you have a collision, because most of the time mechanical problems that are a result of the collision are covered under the original claim. So Correct. you can get these problems resolved before they go on. Remember, we had a gentleman who came in a few years ago, had an Infinity, it had been hit in the front, and it kinked one of the transmission cooler lines. Right. They straightened it out and made it look good, but that line was still kinked, which blocked off the flow of the transmission. Right. And luckily, he noticed that the transmission was starting to slip. He got it in. We were able to replace the line and straighten it out and fix it. But if he hadn't, it would have burnt the transmission up. And I believe we actually set that back on his insurance company as part of the Correct. initial repair. That's right. And what happens is if you got just restricted flow, it may take a year before you burn the transmission up. Sure. Well, a year later, it's awful hard to get anything done about that. Right. So just a real good article all about some of the mechanical problems that you may have after a collision and how to inspect for them. Right. It's not really a bad idea to take it to an independent that has no dog in his fight, should we say. That's right. And let him look over it Mm -hmm. because he can see some things that maybe got missed. That's right. may point you in the right direction. So go in there and look around. It's www.agcoauto.com. I think you'll really like it. And we got Richard online. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. Good morning. I have an 05 Dodge Ram 3500 quad cab. Mm-hmm. The automatic door locks do not function at all with the key thing or with the, the switch inside. Okay. okay. They checked the switch, said that's all right. But, yeah, uh, none of them work at all, Richard? None of them work at all. Did they all go out at the same time, or did one go out and another go out and another go out? Well, I bought the truck. It was, they were out when I bought mm-hmm. it. Okay. There is a 10-amp fuse under the hood. I think it's fuse number 28 that can knock them all out. They check the fuse. Yeah, okay. and it's, they have a lot of trouble with what they call the door actuators going out on those. Uh-huh. And what will happen is that one will go out, and maybe they just don't get it fixed, and then another one goes out, and they don't get it fixed, and then third one, and then the fourth one, and then they go sell the truck, and you get it, and you, nothing works. And you say, well, it couldn't all went out at the same time. Well, it didn't. <laughs> you know, one went out, and another one out, and yeah, whoever had it. Of- 
Are you capable of fixing that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yes, no problem at all. We what, can fix what it. What am I looking at? 100, 500? Just have to it see depends. what's wrong with right. it, man. It could be anything from a broken ground wire, which would be probably 40 or 50 bucks up to all the actuators. I mean, you just got to see what's wrong with it. Once we check it, we can give you an exact price before we do anything. All right. I appreciate it. All right. All right, sir. Thanks, Bye. man. Bye-bye. 499-9526 is the number if you want to be part of the automotive hire. That's just one of them things. You cannot give an estimate over the phone because you don't know what's wrong with the vehicle. Absolutely. Un- no idea. Can, right. Until you can get to it, put your hands on it, find out what's wrong with it, then you can give a correct, accurate estimate. Well, and see, guessing at it really doesn't help him or anyone else. No, it doesn't. We had a guy come in one time. He had a door didn't work. He said, well, how much is for the actuator? And I wouldn't tell him. And somebody else did. Well, he went in to get the actuator, and it ripped the door frame itself apart correct so he had to have a whole new door so well, he had budgeted so money for an actuator well he's still needs no a door that's exactly right. hey we got to get on out of here i want to tell everybody how much we appreciate him listening this morning and every saturday morning on automotive hour like thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week tell your friends get some more people listening to us we'd really appreciate right, it go on itunes and give us a rating really appreciate that hey preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry have a great weekend